Hey, and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. Today, we're going to be talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Last week, we talked about Elizabeth, a woman who became pregnant against all odds. Now we look at her relative, a woman she likely mentored during an overwhelming time in her life. We're going to stay in Luke to learn about Mary and the Christmas story. I know that we all have a tendency to focus on the commercialized version of Christmas, and it's easy to do, because it's a fun time of year. But what makes Christmas so exciting isn't all the pretty lights, the good food, or even the family Christmas parties and thoughtful gifts and cards. It's the reason why Christians celebrate Christmas. It's this story. Luke 1, 26-38 reads this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So, going off our timeline from last week, Elizabeth had just come out of seclusion to show off her miraculous pregnancy a month prior, and now we find out that her relative receives a visit from the exact same angel her husband did. Let's first look at how the angel greets her. He says two things worth noting right away. First, that she is highly favored, and then also that the Lord is with her. Keep in mind that prior to Gabriel telling all these people that they're going to have kids, (laughs) or these two people that they're going to have kids, No one had heard from God. There was this prophetic silence from him over the Messiah and all these things for over 400 years. So to finally hear from him and to know that the Lord was with her, with Mary, must have been, and and knowing that he had always been with her, that would be so comforting. We can also tell a lot about by Mary knowing that she was highly favored by God because Whenever we read about someone who was favored by God in the Bible, we find these men and women who trusted in God and lived their lives for him. People who loved God and loved his people. Obviously, that would be an overwhelming situation to be in. And Mary responds with fear, you know, with a little bit of timidness. And immediately Gabriel tells her to what? To not be afraid. We hear that a lot in the Bible. Yeah. God never wants us to be afraid or worrisome. He just wants us to trust him. The lucky part for Mary is that when she questions about the possibility of what Gabriel told her, she didn't get her voice taken from her, like Zechariah. She looked out better than him in that department, and she definitely needed her voice to explain what had happened to her. That'd be a hard thing to tell her fiancé Joseph, for sure. 
What we find out in another book is that God came to Joseph in a dream and told him to still marry Mary, that it was all a part of his plan. So God was really active in preparation for the birth of his son. This is probably where we should pause and talk about the prophecies that led up to Jesus. Because if you aren't familiar with everything that's about to happen and why, this might seem extra weird. You know, the reason it tells us about Joseph's lineage is because he came from the line of David. And it's also assumed by some that Mary came from a line of David as well. The books of Isaiah and Jeremiah both talk about how the Messiah, someone who will bring judgment and save Israel, will come from David's descendants. It tells us that this hero will reign on a throne forever. So, I mean, they're under the whole oppression of Rome. People began waiting in anxious anticipation for this mighty military leader that would free them from Rome. Yet when we're introduced to Jesus in this next chapter, he's beginning his life as a newborn infant, just fully human. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We find out that Mary is the virgin talked about and Jesus will be the Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is called Emmanuel because through him, God is with us in a way he wasn't before. He's within us. Another great reminder we can take from this passage is what Gabriel tells her after he explains how everything will work as far as conception goes. He tells her that no word from God will ever fail. It reminds me of what Elizabeth told her in what we read last week. She said, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And here Gabriel is telling Mary that no word from God will ever fail. Every word God spoke to us is a promise and we can know that it will never fail us. That belief is what blesses us and it's what blessed Mary. Mary, even afraid as she had been a few moments before, pulls out her Eitzer and steps up to the challenge before her. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I wonder how many of us could have stepped up to the plate like she did. As much as we look back and respect Mary now, Back then, that was a scary time to be pregnant out of wedlock. Mary and Joseph weren't a wealthy couple, and their support might be in short supply because of how people felt about their circumstance. I'm a virgin. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right? But Mary didn't let the fear of other people's opinions or actions stop her from accepting the Lord's favor. She shows us that we should be a servant, pick up the roles that God gives us, even when we feel afraid, and we should accept his favor, even when other people look down upon us. Then Luke shows us this really great song from Mary in Luke 1, 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Mary's song is beautiful. She points out how God is generous to the humble and brings down the prideful. She glorifies God and draws attention to his power by calling him the mighty one. She closes with saying that he remembered his promise to Abraham, almost repeating what she herself had been told. She's reminding others, as she was reminded, that the word of God does not ever fail. 
He might not be fulfilling things on our timing, but he fulfills everything in his own. Now let's get to the actual story you've been waiting for. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 is where we'll start. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. There was an important reason for where Jesus was born and how. Micah 5.2 had prophesied, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Had Rome not called for the census, there would, they wouldn't have been in Bethlehem, and the prophecy wouldn't have been fulfilled. But more than just the prophecy we were expecting, we can take meaning from how he was born. Jesus could have been born an earthly king. He could have at least been born to a wealthy family or to someone who would have been able to find a place inside to give birth to him. But instead, God's plan unfolded in such a wildly humbling way. He was born in a barn, surrounded by hay and animals, and Mary was with her husband because the rooms in Bethlehem were all full. The king of the world, prince of peace, was born unsuspecting into the rest of the world and placed in a manger. But completely unsuspecting wouldn't last long. Luke 2, 8-21 through 21 goes on to say, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Again, with the angels and not being afraid. Again, with the choosing of people we might not have. God could have announced his son's presence to anyone, to royalty, to the whole world, to religious leaders, but no. He saw a few shepherds guarding their flock in the field and chose them. Immediately, they searched to find what they'd been told about, and they find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, just like they were told. Those were the first people. Their excitement is something that they can't contain. They have to go tell people, the first of many who would receive the good news and immediately have to share that news with others. 
Jesus's name, by the way, uh, side note, comes from the Hebrew name Yeshua, which means to deliver, to rescue. If that sounds familiar, Eitzer was similar and meaning to save and to shield. A reminder that God is our Eitzer so that we can be Eitzer for others. Let's pause and look at the other reaction we see, though. It says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What do we treasure? What do we store up in our hearts and ponder over? Sometimes we have a tendency of overvaluing earthly things. We think they're treasures, something we really want to shine up, make sparkle like gold, but it can turn out to be plastic. The real treasures are the things that God gives us. Besides God and his son and the Holy Spirit, he gives us these little glimpses of heaven. The artistry you see in a sunset, the love you feel for family, the beauty of communities coming together to help those in need, uh, the excitement of a child when they learn about something new for the very first time. It's almost like a reminder during Christmas to remember to treasure up the right things, not the uh, Christmas dates or the AirPods or maybe even fluffy socks, but that fraction of love we experience with our loved ones, knowing that God loves us even immeasurably more. Then in Luke 2, 22 through 40, we read that when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. So basically, Joseph and Mary were just following their Jewish traditions and laws and all of this unfolded. We meet Simeon who says some really cool stuff, and we also get to meet another female prophet, Anna. Simeon says something really crushing, though, whether or not Mary understood it at the time. Have you ever heard the song, Mary, Did You Know? It's a really beautiful song, but it's basically asking Mary, did you know that this little baby that you would bring into the world would become the Lamb of God? Not just some king, not just some warrior or hero, but that he would be a sacrifice. Mary, did you know how much pain you would go through watching your son face danger, torture, and his own death on a cross? Mary, did you know that your son was more than just a prophet, but that he was an actual son 
of God. Like, how much did she really understand? We see that she's pondering these things in her heart, but it just makes you wonder if she realized how bad it was going to get and then how great it was going to be. We see Simeon tell her that a sword will pierce her own soul, but through what the hearts of many would be revealed. He's telling her that she's going to go through great pain, but all of it is miraculous because this newborn child was going to bring about so much change, good change, and she also wouldn't be in that pain alone. That's the exact same pain God would feel. Watching his son go through these same things, it's something that he would relate to so closely to her. And then we see Anna, a woman married a few short years, widowed for the rest of her long life, who did nothing but worship, fast, and pray. She recognized who Jesus would be as well, confirming Simeon's words in the process. And I think it's really cool. It can remind us that we should also be in the right place if we want to be able to recognize who Jesus is. But then we also get to see their words play out according to prophecy from the Old Testament. Isaiah 11, 2 said, The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. After Mary and Joseph took Jesus back to Nazareth, it says that he grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. This shows that the spirit of the Lord was on him, counseling him like Isaiah said would happen. This is important for me to tell you, even if it sounds boring, but because it just helps us realize that the Bible is filled with a bunch of stories that just point to one bigger one. Jesus' story starts in the beginning of the Bible, very beginning, even when he's not called by the name of Jesus. And then he is prophesied about throughout the whole Old Testament. And then we get into the New Testament and it gives us his life and his death and his resurrection. The New Testament gives us the beginnings of the church that celebrates who he is now that we know who he is. And it celebrates our knowledge and our hope of the life that we're going to get to live with him in the future. The Bible's always been about him, even before people realized it was. He's our greatest gift, and he's what Christians choose to celebrate on Christmas. You know, the reason for the season? And his introduction into the world came through a human woman, a lady with a lot of Aitzer and a lot of respect and love for God. Because of Mary, a woman highly favored by God, we can now be highly favored through the son that she brought into this world. And that's why we celebrate it so much. The impossible that becomes possible. The people who sacrificed for others who were servants. And the joy that comes from knowing that God is near us, with us. Emmanuel. God is with us. That is all I have for today. There are other stories with Mary in it. And maybe one of these episodes will go ahead and revisit her. But I figured sticking with our Christmas theme gave us plenty to talk about already. So thank you so much for listening. Next time, we'll be talking about some women from the book of Exodus. And I really hope to see you then. If you have any questions about today's episode, the Bible, or anything else, I'd be happy to answer as best as I can. If you haven't heard it today, God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have worth and you have a purpose. Merry Christmas, everybody. Bye.